have an issue with self-confidence. I'm saying, and you understand when the preacher says this, I'm talking about me too. No, none of us should have self-confidence issues because you realize God knows everything. He knew all the, the things that were going to come up. He knew all your issues and all your junk when He called you. When you got born again, when He gave you your assignment, He knew it. And you know what? He picked you anyway because He knew that what He chose, what He has for you to do in the earth, only you can do it the way He wants you to do it. Amen? Praise God. Thank God for His goodness. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Amen. How many of y'all are excited to be in the house of God? Amen. God's going to do a new thing. Amen. God's doing something. Praise God. And we get to be a part of it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to You in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank You for this day. We thank You for the opportunity to be in the kingdom of God, Father, to be able to, to bring our gifts and our talents, Lord, that You've given us and employ them in Your service in the work of the kingdom. And Father God, we just thank You right now. And I just ask that the Holy Spirit would give me utterance. Holy Spirit, help me to speak correctly, precisely, and to be led by You in comments, Lord, speaking to people. And Father God, I thank You for the hearts of the people. Lord, I thank You right now that You're preparing their hearts and that their hearts are good ground that receives the seed of the Word, Father, and it brings forth fruit, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundredfold, and we just give You thanks for it now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, this evening, we're going to, you know, it just seems good to me to, uh, you know, last Sunday morning we took quite a, you know, we basically took the entire teaching to talk to you about the sons of God. Amen. How many of you know God, the Lord Jesus Christ did not die on the cross to make Christians. He died on the cross to give, to make believers sons. Jesus died on the cross to bring us back into relationship. And one of the scriptures that I mentioned last week, you can check this out, I believe it's over in Luke chapter 3 around verse 35 or 38. You know those genealogies in the Bible that you all love reading. Amen. You going through your little genealogy list, you know, you're doing your, your daily devotional reading and you get to the genealogies and you're like, oh God, three pages of genealogies. <laughs> I didn't see Adkins in there anywhere, praise God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But you read those genealogies and we're talking about, and we're spending a lot of time and we're going to be on God's original intent, God's plan. What, what does it mean? You know, we're singing a song. What does it mean to be saved? Is it more than just a prayer we pray? More than just a way to heaven? The answer is yes. Yes, it is. What does it mean to be redeemed? What does it mean to be restored? It means, you know, the, the Hebrew word shalom. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. Complete wholeness, spirit, soul, body. God, that's God's intention. And so the original intention of God is seen in Genesis. And when it's all said and done, God's going to get it back that way. But this, uh, you, when you read those genealogies in Luke, and it's running down the earthly genealogy of Jesus' adopted father, if you will, Joseph, and it says Joseph the son of, and his dad the son of, and the son of, and the son of, and it goes all the way down, you're reading it, and you're going, yeah, son of, the son of, the son of, I know, no, no, and you're just wanting to skip on down, and you get to that part, and it says Seth the son of Adam, and it says Adam the son of God. Make no mistake about it, when God created Adam and placed him in the garden, he was a son of God. Amen? That's what the Word says. Don't, you know, don't get mad at me. Don't want to shoot the messenger. But the Word says, Adam, the son of God. So we see, and so if we're looking at Genesis, 
and the, the account in Genesis as God's original intent, then obviously it was God's intent that man spiritually be a son of God Almighty. Okay? Now, don't think we're getting off kook, into kooky stuff. You understand Jesus is a, Jesus Christ, our Lord, He was a unique person. He was a, He was unique. He was, He is eternal. Amen? He was the Word. Amen? And Pastor Earl did a good job of pointing this out. Jesus was the Word of God for eternity past before He became Jesus the Man. And once he ceased being Jesus, the man, he returned. He's, he's seated in, he is seated in heaven right now at the right hand of the Father, making intercession. That means he's pleading your case for you. Now think about that next time. And this is the thing. Prayer chains are all good. You better make sure you're getting faith people to pray with you, though. I'd just soon have one person in faith pray with me and agree than have 999 people praying in doubt and unbelief. Y'all ain't going to get nothing anyway. Hello? So something. This is the thing, you know. Don't think that if we could just get enough people praying, know if you get the right person praying. Well, how about this? Jesus is sitting on the throne, making intercession for you. Ooh, think about it. He told what did he tell Peter? He said, Peter. He said, Satan's desired to sift you like wheat. Do you know that's us? You know that the, that the plan of the devil that wasn't a unique plan for Peter. That's that was that's Satan's plan for every one of us here. Sift you like wheat. Hmm. I don't know exactly what that is, but it don't sound good, does it? Huh? Sifting you like wheat, grinding you up. Okay? And so you understand, Jesus said, but I've prayed for you. What? That your faith not fail. Amen. Amen. How many of you know Jesus is praying for you? Why? Because this thing the book of Hebrews says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. Amen? He is not ashamed. You know, even when you blew it. Even when other people threw you under the bus. Even when other people want to pretend like they didn't know you, they pass you in the mall now and go, and you know they saw you. Huh? Walking down the street, they'll see you coming, they'll, you know, they'll turn around and go back to the crosswalk and go down the other side and act like they're, act like they're searching on their cell phone for someone. Huh? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Huh? But Jesus is not ashamed to look at God the Father and say, that's my brother. That's my brother, and I'm praying for him, Father. I pray that you sustain him. Pray that his faith not fail. Pray that her faith not fail. Pray that circumstances doesn't overthrow their faith. Amen? And they say, turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit this evening about the prodigal proposal. Amen? The prodigal proposal. Amen? You've heard this before, but I'm going to preach it like you ain't never heard squat about it. Amen. Pastor Cheyenne and, and Pastor Dave and Pastor Angie and I, we were uh, having lunch together today and, and Pastor Cheyenne said something about it. said, Pastor Huffman said, when you preach it, you just pretend like your people ain't never heard it before. And I said, "Woo, that's good. That's a good little nugget. You didn't think I heard you, did you? You thought I was just eating spaghetti. You thought I was eating lasagna and didn't hear you. Amen. I heard her. It's good stuff. Amen. How many of you know the Bible? Let's just read the story. Um, picking up on verse 11. It says, and he, Jesus, this is Jesus teaching, says, and he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. We're going to get some stuff. I'm just going to read. I'm going to spare you the commentary right now. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. 
King James, I believe, says prodigal living. Amen. You understand that word prodigal, if, if my memory serves me correct. Prodigal means foolish or wasteful, silly, nonsense, prodigal. He, he, waste, he, he, he squandered his entire estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be in need. And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And as he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swines were eating, and no one was giving anything to him, but when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? Amen. Everyone say, More than enough. Amen. How many of you know that God is El Shaddai, the God of more than enough? Oh God, if I could just, God, if you just bless me enough just to pay my water bill this month. Oh God, if, God, I got these bills. If you just give me, He's more than enough. Amen. I was said this morning. Amen. You gotta, He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. You need to get your thinking up and you need to get your asking up. Yeah. Amen. Believe God that He's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. Glory to God. He said, He said, how many men, uh, hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying with hunger. Listen to this. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. And he got up and came to his father, and while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found, and they gathered and were merry. He says, Now the older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard the music and dancing, and he summoned one of the servants. And began, you mean, why do we dance in church? Well, people danced when they rejoiced. We said the church sat around for years and just sat around and let the world steal what praise and worship really is. And to the point to where now, if someone's jumping, shouting, dancing, running, whatever, how, the, oh, that's of the world. Really, it's only of the world because the church sat, sat back and let them take it. You understand people rejoice when you rejoice when you're happy. <laughs> Amen. If you can jump and shout and run a lap around the house when you get a letter in the mail that says you got a settlement for $7,500, you ought to be able to do it when you go to church and you hear you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and been brought back into fellowship with God. Amen. And he summoned one of the servants, the older son, he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring about these, what these things might be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go into his father. And he came out and his father came out and began entreating him. But he answered and said to the father, look, for so many years I've been serving you. Can you just hear him? I've been serving you. And never neglected a command of yours, and you've never even given me a kid that I might be buried with my friends. Lord, all he wanted was a goat. You never even give me a baby goat. Okay? He says, but when this son of yours, who has devoured your wealth with harlots, you killed, when he came, he said, you've killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, my child, you've always been with me, and all that's mine is yours. 
but we had to be merry and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Amen? Truly, this is one of the greatest parables that Jesus spoke. But there's some things we want to look at this evening. And remember, we said last week, Jesus, when He died on the cross, and we need to realize... Okay, what we're saying, anything that we say about the kingdom of God and when we're talking about what Jesus did, we are by no means demeaning what happened on the cross. You understand that the cross had to take place. The blood had to be shed. That was the price that had to be paid to redeem mankind. But don't make the mistake of thinking that you go down to the... Oh, God, forgive me. I believe that Jesus is Lord. Jesus be the Lord of my life. Woo! I have arrived. Praise God. It's all good now. But you realize you just stepped through the door. You just got born again. Think Think about what you even say. Born again. You did not just, you didn't just arrive, you popped onto the scene. Okay? Spiritually, you just showed up. It's not a done deal. Too many believers believe that. Well, you know, I'm saved. Well, yay. Now it's time to grow up. Time to grow up. Be fruitful in the kingdom. You got some work to do. God's got plans for you. It's not just get, it's not just get born. And you know, and be a fifty-year-old baby wearing pampers and sucking on a bottle. Amen. Amen. Yeah, baby Huey. Too many spiritual baby Hueys in the church. Amen. Walking around, yeah, baby Huey. Remember the cartoon, baby Huey? Big old, big old, you know, a duck, probably about a three-hundred-pound duck with a little baby thing on his head and a diaper, and he's walking around sucking on a bottle. Too many spiritual baby Hueys in the church. You just got born again. But you were brought into the kingdom for a purpose. But you understand this, that it says uh, that... The, the, let's just notice this, go back through and make some comments as, as we're going through this, is that the younger said to the father, give me the share of the estate which falls to me. And read it, it says, and he divided the wealth between them. Who did he divide it between? He had another son. Both of them had an inheritance. The father divided it with both of them. You get, but you see, the other one, when we were reading through that, he was like, you never gave me nothing. The father's like, hello? Knock, knock. Anybody home, McFly? <laughs> father's like, it, everything I got's yours. Where were you? What were you doing when we divided this up? What were you doing? Huh? And so you, we go and says, and, and, you know, and the son went, and you notice this, that as he went, we're familiar with the story, the son went out, the younger son went out, and you understand that there's parallels in this story that is really, it's talking about humanity in general. It can apply to some people specifically in their life. But here was this younger son that went out and, you know, he made, he made a demand upon the father. And you understand this. Can you read any place in the Bible where it even condemns him for going and asking the father for his inheritance? It's not there, is it? Don't you think that if he is out of line, that the Bible would say, and the younger son said, give me my inheritance, and the father would say, who do you think you are, you young whippersnapper? Who do you think you are trying to get your inheritance before I kick the bucket? You lucky I just don't take you. I brought you in this world. You lucky I don't take you out, boy. Know your role. Huh? But it doesn't condemn that at all, does it? It doesn't say that he was out of place for appealing to the father for his inheritance. It just, what it says is he wasted it and he squandered it foolishly. 
And so we understand that this story, it's a representation of mankind. In the beginning, back in the garden, when God created the earth and He placed man in the garden, and, and all the blessings of the Father's house was upon mankind, and then you understand that when you're in Daddy's house, and then most of y'all know this, girls know it better than the guys do, I think, maybe. When you're in Daddy's house, man, it's all access. I says, well, you don't go into your mom and dad's house and go, and go uh, 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 Dad, is it all right if I get in the refrigerator and get a Coke? Or if it's that way, something's wrong. Yeah. Let's put it away. Something's wrong. If you, you know, Cheyenne doesn't go into her mom's house and go, uh, Mom, is, is it all right if I get a cup of yogurt out of the refrigerator? Her mom would go, what's wrong with you? Get, get the yogurt. Take the refrigerator if you want to. Take it. Okay? You understand, but you understand that here this guy is, you know, it's a representation. Man, and man sinned. Adam sinned. And you understand this. I so desperately want people to get a hold of this. Is that sin is not like God's got this blacklist of things that He doesn't want you to do just because He's just, you know, He's just trying to force His will upon you. That, you know, God goes, this is my blacklist of stuff. You do it, man, you're going to hack me off and I'm going to send you to hell for doing it. Okay? Get that out of your mind. Get it in your mind. I've said this before. Sin, it simply means missing the mark. It's a, it's a term that came from a word used in archery. And if you sinned, you missed the mark. If you, how many of you, if you ever bow hunted, amen, or you ever even practiced and then gave up on bow hunting before you even got in the woods with a bow, huh? That you're practicing and you pull that back and you shoot and you release. How many of you know there's lots of factors? If a, you know, if one of the fletchings is turned the wrong way, you flinch on release, windage, anything can affect it. But you understand that you're aiming for a spot. And when, and you understand that what God's will, and you understand this, that the spot, the target, the, the intended target that God had for mankind was His perfect will. Amen. In God's perfect will, there's no lack. There's no want, there's no sickness, there's no murder, there's no infidelity, there's no lying, stealing, or cheating. Amen. People, let's put it in a nutshell, all of humanity walks in love with each other. Amen. Love God and love your neighbor. Amen. Isn't that what Jesus said? All the law and the prophets are wrapped up in this. Love God, love your neighbor. And you know this, that, that love, it ain't that mushy stuff. It ain't that mushy, gushy stuff. Now, it can come from, but love, in, when we're talking a gothe kind of love of God is, I only do that which is to your benefit. Amen. I do nothing that's to your harm. All of my actions toward you are to your benefit. And so you understand this? So that that's the target, is that we live in such a way that toward God, toward our neighbor, everything we do, it's to your benefit. Okay, I don't come and, and, and dump my table scraps over the fence on your, uh, on your side of the property line. I don't, let's put it this way. Oh, you might relate with this. Oh, glory to God. I don't walk my dog down the street and let him squat in your yard and won't do it in mine. Is that too real? Am I being too real? Y'all? You understand it's not like, oh, it gets on me, man. I just like I want to grab the dog and pick it up and go, pocket it back in and say, there you go, take it on down the road to your house. I told Cheyenne what? <laughs> I told, come on back, come on back. I told Cheyenne, I said, there's this one lady. She had, you know, little little Indian lady that lives in our neighborhood. She's walking her dog, and I'm and I pull around the corner and I stop by the mailbox, and her dog's there making a love deposit in my yard. And I'm like, I'm, I, I rolled the window and I said, "Ma'am, I said, please don't let your dog, you know, go poop in my yard." 
I said poop on a CD. I'm going to have to <laughs> do something about that. Amen. Okay. I said, ma'am, I said, please don't let your dog, please don't let your dog do that in my yard. Please don't let your dog poop in my yard. She's standing there. The dog's in production. You know what I'm saying? He's in production. She goes, he's not, oh, I'm not letting him poop in your yard. He's going pee pee. I'm like, no, lady, that's not pee pee. Maybe where you come from, they call, maybe you, maybe you haven't grasped the language yet. Because you're from India, I can tell your accent. Maybe you've not grasped the language yet. That's not pee-pee, okay? I told Shane, so I want to get a bag and just go, and let them do it for about a week and collect it all and go take it up to their house and just throw it on the porch. Say, there it is. You lost this. Okay. What are we talking about? How did we get off on that? I'm talking about love does no harm to your neighbor. I only do that which is good to you. I'll be honest with you, I don't even like it if they do it and then they pick it up out of my yard. I'm like, walk them around your yard. Walk them around your quarter acre and then scoop it up, okay? My kid's going to play in that yard. I don't know if your dog got worms or not. I don't know if he's like, you know, pulling across the carpet in the house. I don't know, okay? <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> just, everybody just pull it back, right? Just pull it back. But I only do... <laughs> Help me, Lord. Help me. I only do that which is to your good. And so you understand that sin is anything outside that. Sin is anything outside that. Uh, and, uh, that that'll preach. It's a sin for you to bring your dog down the street and let him do it in my yard. Because that's not that you, that's not walking in love, is it? How'd you like if I go back? You bringing your you bringing your little seven pound foo foo dog down the street to do it in my yard? How about I go back to West Virginia and get my eighty five pound Rottweiler and feed her about three cans of Alpo and, and walk her around your yard? Ain't you glad I'm saved? Man, aren't you all just... Everybody say, thank God pastor's saved. Amen? <laughs> Amen. But, but love is the only to that which is to your benefit. Sin is anything that's outside of love. I don't take account your feelings. I don't take into account what, how something affects you. It's a sin in the business world. I've got ambitions to get to the top. I don't care who I have to stab in the back, who's throat i got to cut. In the business world, I'm going to get to the top. And as a matter of fact, you get in my way, I'm going to use you for a stepping stone. I'm going to step right on you and go right on up. They do that in the church. Do, they, do we see that in ministry too? Oh, come on now. Surely Christian people wouldn't act that way, would they? They some of the You understand that I'm really getting a disdain to, because Christian people are some of the most religious people you'll meet. And I, and, you know, and I like what Dr. Monroe said. I said, I used to be a religious man. I don't want to be religious anymore. Because that's not anything that God had to do with it at all. Amen? But you understand, this son, so he goes out, and he spent everything, you know, and he's got into sin. And so, and you understand that, that, that you, you can even sin against yourself. Okay? His older brother said, he told the father, said, yeah, the younger boy of yours, he's wasted your entire, and he's wasted the whole estate that you gave him on harlots. Okay? We all know what harlots are, right? Pastor's gonna keep it G, okay? Okay? Number one, I'm, I'm wondering, how did he know that? Was you walking through the red light district and getting ready, to, yeah? Cruising down on your low riding donkey going down the red light district, yeah? <laughs> and you, and you see the younger, well, there's my brother, I better turn around. Huh? Well, you understand. He's, he's saying, he, you understand the Bible says, so if we all know what you do with harlots, right? Okay. The Bible says that when you're with a harlot, you're sinning against your own body. 
What do you, what do you mean? Understand sinning, you're missing the mark against your own body. You're missing the mark of God's high standard because you understand this, that God, that union is supposed to be perfect. God intended for marriage, marriage covenant. When a man and woman come together in marriage, it's a beautiful thing. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's beautiful. It's blessed. God said it's blessed. Amen? And all the men said, Amen, Pastor. Amen. So you understand that it's something, but, but it becomes something. It's like fire. Okay? Let's use fire for example. You take a fire, and we've had, you know, we've had several weeks. It's been cold, you know, cold nights here in South Georgia. Glad to see it warming up in February. Praise God. But you understand that fire, when you take wood and you put it in a fireplace and it's contained within its proper place in the home, you can put some logs in there, set it on fire, and it creates a nice atmosphere. Eddie said he burns those long-lasting, he burns those logs. He said, don't put in a lot of heat, but they sure look good. <laughs> but you, you, know, you light that fire and it creates a nice atmosphere in the home and it puts out warmth. And so in its right place, you can bring fire into your house and it's a great blessing. It can warm a room up. It can add to the atmosphere. But you take that and you take those logs and you go out in the middle of the living room and just stack the wood up in on the carpet and squirt a little bit of lighter fluid on it. Go, you know, take, take your Zippo out and throw it in there. <clears throat> okay? You're, you're going to burn the house down. Well, why? Well, something that was good when it was in its proper context... And within its proper containment and its proper boundaries, you take it out of its boundaries and it becomes something destructive. And so is that what we're talking about that we're not going to mention because the little ears are in the room. It becomes something, it was something that God intended to be a blessing to mankind, but when you get it out of its boundaries and you get it out of its context, it becomes something destructive. Amen? Okay, so you can see, so he, here this son is, he's sinned against his own flesh. He's sinning against his own flesh. He said, and, and by his own acknowledgement, we go on down. You know, when he goes back home, he tells his father, he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. In other words, I've missed the mark. I've missed what your standard was. Let's just read on. It says, it says, so the famine came. He's out of money. Guess what? All his buddies are gone. All his girlfriends are gone. You ain't got no money. You ain't got no honey, right? So they've left him. And a famine comes. And guess what? He begins to realize, man, how bad it's... he's sitting there and he's feeding hogs. And he's y'all think about how bad, how hard up you are. You're looking at hog slop, licking your lips, going, mm, "I could get me some of that pig food." And this is a boy that his dad was a wealthy man, was an estate owner, and so you've had this son that was that came from a place where every need was met. There was no concern of lack or want because all the resources of the father's house was available to him, but because of a bad decision and because of loose living, because of decisions that he made, he left and lived a prodigal life. You know, a lot of Bibles call it prodigal. King James called it prodigal. But he lived that prodigal in such a way that he lost everything. And then when the famine came, he was caught. Okay? Now, understand, we're talking about this story is an example, is an illustration of the plan of redemption, right? Can we all agree that? We've heard it taught that way for so long, okay? And it is, but there's been some misinterpretations of stuff, okay? It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread and I'm dying here with hunger? 
Verse 18, I'll get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he came to the realization, hey, wait a minute. My dad has got workers working for him. So they got they got leftovers. You know, everybody eats, everybody gets full. They got leftovers. They got more than enough bread. This is people that just work for my daddy. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me a hired servant. All I want, you know, make me a hired servant. Let me work for you. And so this is what I'm talking about, the prodigal proposal. You know, I got a proposal when I came to church this evening about growing a goatee and shaving my head, but I'm not going to be shaving my head. Amen? Amen. But he made a proposal. The prodigal proposal. This is my plan. I'm going to go back. I'm going to say, I'm, and I'm just going to, and, and you understand, so you got to respect, you got to respect this. How many of y'all can respect it when somebody absolutely blows it? They know they blow it. And instead of making excuses, they just go, you know what, man, I, I just blew it. I blew it. It was wrong. Yeah, it's like Jim Baker. I tremendously respect the man. Yeah, back in the 1980s, some of y'all remember Jim Baker. He got, you know, he got into sin. It all came down. He ends up losing his, his ministry empire that he had built, that he had built, that he had built. Okay? And his wife left him, and he ends up going to jail. Okay? And he gets out of jail. And, and what was the title of the book? Anybody remember the title of the book? I, I was wrong. I was wrong. Comes out right to, I was wrong. I was wrong. He didn't try to pull an at him. Oh, you know the woman you gave me. My God, I had to steal money from the church. You know how much money she spent on makeup? And you're talking 50 bucks a day to put all that cake and layer of stuff on. I mean, I, okay. He didn't make excuses. He came out and he said, you know what? I blew it. And I can respect that man for that. And from what I hear, he's got a ministry now that's on a much smaller scale, but God's using him. Amen. And he's probably probably being used more effectively now. Like I said, I don't know. I'm just speculating. I just don't know. But he, but here you see this son. He's like, you know, I'm just going to go back and I'm going to say, Dad, you know, I blew it. I blew it. It's my bad. Uh, you know, forgive me. I don't even deserve to be called your son. And so please just make me as one of your hired servants. That was his proposal. Just make me as one of your hired servants. I, do, I know I don't deserve the privileges and the prerogatives of a son. Just make me a hired servant. Okay? But we read the rest of the story. Okay? What did the father do? Let's go back over. I know we read through it before. It says, And as he got up and came to his father, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And we, you know, and on the father told his servants, yet verse 21, the son rehearses his line to the dad. They told him, I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Father said to the slaves, he said, quickly, bring the best robe and put it on him. He said, bring a ring and put it on his hand and sandals on his feet and kill that fatted calf. Kill that fatted calf. Get it ready. We're going to have a party. So what did the father do? The father received him back in full rights and privileges. He redeemed him. He restored him. What we've been talking about the past two or three services we've got to go is that redemption means you know, put back in the pl- its original place. Amen? But you, you want to know the sad thing is, and this is what I want to talk about this is do you realize that most of the people in the church, most believers, they didn't take the Father's proposal. All you need to get a hold of this. They didn't take the Father's proposal. Most believers on the, in the church today have, are living on the prodigal proposal. I'm not worthy to be your son. 
I sinned. I blew it. I'm not worthy to be your son. Look, you know what? Just make me as one of your hired servants. I'll just, you know, just you know, put me down in the bunkhouse with the rest of the workers so I can have a bed and I, and I have my belly full. But Lord, just you know, I know I don't deserve it. Just make me like one of your hired Is that not the way most people are in the church today? Yeah. Oh, I'm just an old sinner. I'm just an old sinner. I'm just a worm. Just a worm as I. Well, you know, okay, whatever. What kind of worm are you? Earthworm? I don't know. But is that not the attitude of most believers? Oh, you know, before Jesus saved me, I was such a low-down sinner. Y'all go, Woo! Hallelujah! Listen to your text. Before He saved you. But they don't soak into them. Huh? Oh, I'm, you know, I, I, you know, like I said when we were teaching last week about the sons of God. Most people, most believers, you look them in the face and say, do you believe you're a son of God? They'd go, most of them will go, what you, most, of, most of them will go, what are you talking about, son of God? Jesus is Son of God. How, you know, what, are you crazy? Huh? You probably belong to that goatee-wearing, bald-headed cult down in Remerton, right? What do you mean, Son of God? And most people would struggle with it. Most, people, most believers wouldn't believe, well, you know, now I'm just, you know, I'm just a servant. And, and understand this. Your role is not your relationship. I'll say it again. Your role is not your relationship. Because you can read on over in Luke. There's some place I can't remember where it's at. In Luke, though, where Jesus is talking about another example of a servant and the master working in the field. And that's something you've got to get a hold of. Huh? You, you need to get a hold of this. Is that The Bible says we're co-laborers together with God. He's working with us. Okay? But you understand there's, one, there's another story Jesus told about the guy that had a servant and the servant went out and worked in the field all day with the master. And at the end of the day, they both worked all day long. But the, the master goes in and sets down to take his rest. And the servant goes, and he tells the servant, he says, get on over and fix me some food and bring it on out. So the servant goes over. He's, prepared the, he's preparing the meal. He's worked all day in the sun, just like the master. He's preparing the meal. He fixes the meal. He fixes the meal. The master comes in, eats. He serves the master. Can I get you something else to eat? Can I get you something else to drink? The master eats till he's full. And then the master, then, then the master says, I'm done, I'm finished. Then the servant cleans up the mess, puts it away, then he goes and gets something to eat. And what does the servant say? What does the servant say? Does, you know, he, he's, can, can he say, oh, look at me. Man, you worked out, and I worked out in the field just the way you did. We worked together. We worked together in the field. Who do you think you are, man? No, no, no. And look at me. I came in and I fixed your meal and I washed your dishes and I did this and I did that. And, and then what, but what did, no, no, no. What did the servant say? He said, I am an unprofitable servant and I've only done that which is required of me. Don't you ever think that God owes you anything. Amen. All God owes you is, is His Word and His Word is gracious toward us. But don't you ever cop no head wagging, finger snapping attitude with God. God owes God owe me. God don't owe you nothing. Amen? But you understand You understand this, but this son went back, wanted to be a servant, and the father said, no, 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 no. No, no. You are not a servant. Why? Because we got relationship. We, we related here. We can't. You're my son. And you were dead. And, they, and you understand this, that the father said, full right, full privilege, everything, Amen. Everything, everything in the Father's house, you got full access. You've been, you know, you've come back, and you understand this. You know, me and Brother Doug, we had a good conversation this morning. We were talking about the people's ideas of, of concepts of what does it take to get saved. Oh, you know, we got to have an altar call, and that's good. We'll have altar calls. 
We'll do that, but don't get hung up on that because there's no place in the Bible that people had altar calls. The Word was preached, people's hearts were pricked, and people changed their mind. Okay? This, you understand that this uh, son, this prodigal son, never got down in the hog pen. There's no place in the Bible where it says he got down beside one of the rails of the fence at the hog pen and cried out to God to forgive him. What did he do? He repented. He changed the way he thought. You understand, repent's not a religious word. It just means you change the way you think. He used to think, hey man, it's alright, I'm going to get daddy stuff and I'm going to go out and I'm going to live it up and I'm going to kick up my heels and I'm going to have me a rip-roaring good time and life's going to be good. But then when he got out there and he realized all the possessions were gone, he had to start changing his thinking. Man, this ain't as good as what I thought it was. Man, I thought, I, you know, I thought it was going to be, I thought it was all going to be, you know, one big party. And it, and it was a party till the beer money ran out, till the pot money ran out. Till he wasn't bringing the drugs to the party no more. Till he couldn't get the girls to come to the party no more. But he had a change of thinking. And he, and he repented. And so he said, I'm going to go back to dad's house. But you understand this, that, that what the father's done for you, we need to, we need to make sure, repent, 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 change your thinking. When you return to father's house, when you accepted the redemption that Jesus Christ made available through the cross, and you said, Jesus is my Lord, and that when Jesus became Lord, He became your Lord, He became your brother, God became your Father again, He was, He's Daddy, Amen, and He, and He restored you to full rights and privileges. You don't have to do penance. That's religion. That's thinking, well, I just can't accept God's forgiveness freely. That's just too easy. I gotta, I gotta do something to get it. Why? So you can brag about it? So you can say, I, I went out, to, you know, I went out to a monastery for three months and saw, you know, and sat out there by myself and prayed, you know, and, and, you know, back in the Middle Ages, they'd go out and they'd go out in, in monasteries and they'd get inside and they'd beat themselves. You know? Like, like I gotta do something to get it. Did the son have to do anything? No, all he had to do was change his mind. And so you understand this, is that God's... Re- now, don't get me wrong. Restoration, when, when there are problems in people's lives, especially people in leadership, you've got to have steps to go through to restore them. But you understand this, as soon as they repent, God says, mm, you're my son. You're my boy. Ain't no waiting list. You don't got to wait. To get, you're in the good with me. There ain't nothing else you got to do. You're in the good. I'm your daddy. You're my boy. And you need something, it's yours. Everything I have, it's yours. You got you got sickness in your body, healing's there, it's yours. You got you got financial need in your life, praise God, it's yours. I'll meet it. Just get in faith. Believe me, because I'm daddy and I'm not holding any grudge against you. Amen? You need to realize this is that the, the, the prodigal son, he all he wanted was to get back in to be a servant. But God had so much more for him. And you understand this, and my point is is so important for us to get a hold of this relationship. Why? Because the Bible says over the book of Romans. It talks about the, the... How many of y'all know the earth is under a curse right now? When sin came into the world, there was a curse upon the earth. Amen? That came in with sin. And the Bible says over in Romans that the earth is, is waiting. This is a paraphrase. The earth is waiting desperately for the revelation of the sons of God. This earth is waiting for the, for the sons of God to be revealed. Huh? What? Your purpose in the kingdom. 
Your purpose in the kingdom. Servants, you understand this, that servants have no relationship to the Master. Servants, servants go in the field, they work alongside the Master, but at the end of the day, you're going down to the quarters. Right? You ain't going to the big house to sleep with daddy. No, 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 you're just going down to the quarters. That's where you belong. And that's where servants go. You understand this though? Sons, like I said, your role is not your relationship. Because how many of you all know fathers and sons can work out in the fields with the servants, but the servants, the servant, the slave, is not a son. And, the, and like I said, end of the day, well, y'all have a good night. We'll see. We're going up to the big house because that's where we belong. Because I'm going to dad's house. You go to the quarters because you're a servant. How many of y'all know? How many of y'all know that God He wants He wants sons. He wants the relationship. And and this thing, you, you're both doing the same work. You're both doing the same work. You know, if you're out uh, harvesting grain, whatever's going on, the servants are doing it. Guess what? The fathers doing it, and the sons are doing it too. They're doing the same thing, but the difference is is the relationship. It's the relationship, and so you understand this. There's lots of people in the church today. Lots of believers. They're born again. They love Jesus. They're going to go to heaven when they die for a while. <laughs> for a while. But they are not walking in the blessings and in the authority of sons. They're doing the work. The sons do, you know, they're out witnessing to people, inviting people to church, wanting to share, you know, the gospel of Jesus' resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection with people. Might not necessarily be sharing the gospel of the kingdom with folks, but they're telling them the good news about their sins, the forgiveness of their sins through the shed blood of Jesus. And the other people that are sons are doing the same thing. But guess what? End of the day, they go into they go into the quarters, and the people that got a revelation of their relationship with God, they go into the big house because that's Dad's house. That's my house. I'm going to, I'm I'm a son. I'm not just a servant. I serve him, but I'm a son. I'm not just a servant. I'm not just hired hand. I'm the son. And everything. And listen to this. I want to read this to you. And we go, mm, glory to God. The oldest son. Said the oldest son got angry with his father's verse twenty eight, wasn't willing to go into him and been, began entreating him. And he answered the father, Look, for so many years I've been serving you, and I've never neglected a command of yours. And yet you've never even given me a kid that I might be married with my friends. Hey, that's, you realize that this older son, he represents religious people. He represents religious people. Huh? Think about it. Think about how mad he was. Didn't even want to call the the younger brother his brother when he's talking to the dad. This this son of yours. Mm-hmm. That what he said? This son didn't even want to say when my brother came back. Didn't even want to say when little Billy got out of the hog bin. Didn't even want to call him by name. Didn't want to acknowledge his relationship. He said, "Well, this son of yours, come up." How many of y'all realize? You know, you maybe, maybe you got born again, and 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 praise God, God just started doing things for you. And they say, and you understand, they ain't none of us. We all got our act together. Don't pretend like it. You get these people standing up back like they got their act all together. Man, I got my act all together. Okay, mark that person. Okay, don't want to be around you because you lying. Amen. You can't even. You can't. You gonna stand up in front of a room full of people, a couple hundred people, and pretend like I have arrived. I had, Paul even said I've not arrived. And I guarantee you, Paul was a lot further down the road than any of the guys that are standing in the pulpits nowadays, probably. Probably. Okay, there's some. I mean, Lord God, it's not impossible. Paul, because you understand, Paul was a man too. But he's 
how many of you know he's probably a lot further, more advanced than what most of us are? Amen. They're serving in ministry. Huh? When you start having revelations, when you get called up to the third heaven and you see God, you know, you see God on the throne and you, you writing, you know, two thirds of the New Testament, okay? The guy's, you know, he might not have had a PhD, but he's doing all right, okay, huh? Okay? Can we agree with that? Okay? But you understand is that, is that God, until we begin to realize your relationship, I'm a son. You know, this, this son, he said, he said, your son. He's come home. And the Father said, and that's just the way the religious people are when you... Help me, Lord. How many of you all have seen people, either they're baby Christians or they're a Christian who something happened. The ball got dropped somehow. And they, you know, and there has to be a restoration period. And you see that person, and man, then God just blesses them all of a sudden. I mean, it's just a good thing. God's just like, you know what, man? Mm, they, they turn, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I, Father, I need your help here. And, and God goes, mm, bring out the best robe. Get out the robe for him. Huh? Somebody, maybe somebody, uh, you know, has lost their job. They have financial problems or something like that. You know, take your pick, whatever the circumstance is. And, they, and once they repent and, and God begins to help restore them, and God just says, you know what, I just want to bless them. Oh, you want to make somebody mad? You have some problems and have some issues come up, and then you let God just say, you know what, I, I know you need a second car. Just I'm going to put on somebody's heart to give you a car. Oh, let's just take it one. Can y'all can y'all believe this one? How about this? How about this? I, you know what? I know you need your house. I know you need your mortgage paid. I'm just going to call. I'm just going to tell someone next six months they're going to pay your mortgage for you. Amen. They're going to pay your. They're going to pay your mortgage for you. Oh man, the religious they're going to get mad. Mm-hmm. Mm? This son, are you kidding me, God? All these years, I've went to the church, and I've never and I've never been caught transgressing any of your commandments. <laughs> And I've been dead. And I've been critical and backbiting. And I've stirred the stink every time it happened in church, but I just pretended like I didn't do nothing. And, 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 and I've never been caught, and I've never been, had to been disciplined, and I've never had to been set down, and I've never had my sin exposed to anybody, and, 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 and I've been faithful to you all this time living that way. <laughs> and this person here, they blew it, and everybody in town knows they blew it, and you're going to start blessing them. What's up with that, God? You act, you'd, you'd act like the older brother. Because this is the thing. God knows that person's heart, and He knows yours too. And when that person has, has repented and turned back to God, God knows it. And guess what? God ain't waiting for them to do penance. God's like, mm, I'm so glad you're back. Get the robe. Get the ring. Get some sandals. Put, the, put some shoes on that boy's feet. Matter of fact, let's just kill the fatted calf and let's just have a party because praise God, he that was lost, he's repented, he's come back to daddy's house. Amen. And so this evening, what I want to encourage you to do is, is you need to you know, change the way you think. Praise God. I don't care how bad anybody has blown it. The moment that you come to your senses, the moment that someone's come to their senses and they change the way, and they go, yeah, I blew it. They never have to walk with their head down. Because once you and God settle it, it's settled. I ain't got no saying. Ain't none of my business. It's God's business and your business. And if God says you've repented, you've made, you know what? You're restored. And I'm not going to be acting like the older brother. Oh, well, you think? You know, look what you did six months ago. So what? Look what you did six months ago. Nobody knew about. 
Hey, listen, it surprised me that the people that would have the gall to do stuff like that because that's when you just think, ooh, I wish a gift of the Spirit was in operation and the Holy Ghost just say, mm, yeah, what were you looking at three months ago on the Internet? Amen. What were you doing up that alley, you know, two months ago that nobody knew about, but the Holy Ghost saw you? That shut them down real quick, wouldn't it? <laughs> Amen? You understand this? God's will is to restore you to sonship, not servanthood. Now, as a son, you're going to do the work of the Father. You're going to do the work of the kingdom because you're a son, but you have a relationship, not just a role. And the world needs more of the sons of God to be revealed because when you begin to walk in the authority of the son, because you understand this, if all you are is just the servant that's barely you know, got a little bit of bread left over, then you are able to help some, but it's just a little bit of bread you got left over. When you're the son and all the resources of daddy's house is available to you, you can help people a lot more. This church, our, our, resor- our financial resources are not limited to this body of believers. Hmm? We got a mission. We got an assignment. We got people that we're going to help. I'm, I'm going to speak this. I'm speaking this by the Spirit of God right now. I promise you, there are people in this town that don't even go to this church yet. That God's drawn them. He's calling. Them. There's people that they may not ever go to this church. They're going to be writing fat checks to give to this church to do the work of the ministry. Amen. Because there's people that need to be reached, and God's going to get it to us because our resources aren't limited to what we've got. Amen. And even as this church grows, our resources aren't limited. Why? What's my resource? My resources is what's in Daddy's house. And, it, and he owns the whole thing. Uh, the, old, the whole shooting match, glory to God. He owns the whole thing. Amen. So this evening, realize your role. Just examine yourself. Lord, have, have I walked in the prodigal proposition? Lord, is my attitude, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I just make me a servant. Just let me just go to church and kind of blend in the crowd. Don't ask me to get out and operate in my gift that you've placed in me. Don't ask, you know, God... I blew it so bad. I don't want to do that no more. Mm-mm. God's saying, wait a minute. My gifts and my callings are without repentance. You repented. Guess what? I put it in you to use. The world, the, the, the earth is looking, is groaning for the revelation of the sons of God. And you got it, baby. You got it. You you understand this. If you're born again, you're a born again believer, you are God's gift to the world. Because you're part of the church. The church is God's gift to the world. And the gift that's in you is somebody's is is somebody's greatest hope. Because it's the gift of God in you. It's the anointing of God in your life. It's what God's placed in you that's that person's hope. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we